the fully self-awakened Buddha had the kindness and compassion to consider all beings as his own children. For us, we may have one child or two, perhaps even seven, and it's very difficult to rear and bring up um, even just one child. But the Buddha had compassion and pity for all beings. And by all beings here we mean humans and also animals, devas, brahmas. There are many, many jittas or minds in the cycle of samsara. But the Buddha had kindness and compassion for each and every one, wishing to help all to be free from suffering. This is what inspired and compelled him to cultivate all of the ten paramitas through each of the lives that he took. There was great difficulty, a lot of suffering, hardship that he went through. And the number of births and deaths that he had to pass through is incountable. So his compassion, the karuna of his heart, is boundless. And if we try to praise the virtues and the beautiful qualities of the Buddha, we won't be able uh, to do them full justice. Even if we were to chant for millions or billions of years, we still wouldn't be able to finish that job. And it's only truly a Buddha who can know the great qualities of a Buddha. So when we chant in praise of the fully self-awakened Buddha, it's like our voice is just a tiny uh, little voice out in uh, the cosmos. But it does bring us great benefit, and there's a lot of goodness. So if we chant uh, the praise of the Buddha to be so, there's 108 times, or we do our morning and evening chanting every day, then there's a lot of merit that arises from that. Because the being that we are praising is one who is imbued with great good qualities and much merit himself. So just one single chant that we do, chanted just one time, can have great benefits. And we also praise the teachings of the Buddha, the Dhamma. And through these teachings then we're able to know about how to cultivate merit, how to cultivate our dana barami, our sila barami, these perfections of generosity and virtue. And it can be quite difficult at times. With giving, the most difficult part of that is the gift of our forgiveness. For some people, um, as children, they may have had mothers or fathers that were very tough on them, or maybe even harmed them. And that can be buried very deeply within one's heart, that they just don't like their parents, they're averse to them. 
But this is also a wrong view, because if we contemplate well, then we'll see that every single mother and father have love for their children. Just like the mother of Angulimala. He was out in the forest, and the king, uh, King Pasenadi, had uh, organized for his army to go and catch him. But he wasn't afraid. His mother went out into the forest to try and save him, to try and warn him about it. And uh, the Buddha could see that if that he was likely to kill his own mother if she reached him. And he could see that with the heaviness, the weight of that karma of killing one's own mother, there was no chance that he would be able to attain to arahantship in this life. So he went out himself to help Ngulimala. And Angulimala, he had his own wisdom to him, and he was also very strong and very quick. He saw the Buddha walking, and he chased after him. Now, normally, Angulimala was extremely fast. Whoever he tried to catch, he would be able to do so. He had a lot of power, a lot of energy, and he also had some psychic powers as well. So normally, anyone else, uh, he'd be able to chase after and catch them very easily. Um, and because of this strength and power that he had, uh, King Basenadi, um had tried to catch him and have him killed many, many times, but no one could uh, succeed in doing this. He had caused so much disturbance and trouble to the people of the kingdom um, that the king had decided to uh, send his whole army out to catch him. So Angulimala sprinted after the Buddha, but the Buddha was just walking along the path at a normal pace. And no matter how fast he ran, he just wasn't able to catch up with the Buddha. He eventually became tired and shouted out, Samana, stop! Samana, stop! And the Buddha responded, I have stopped, but it's you who haven't stopped. And Gulimala then thought, well, this monk is lying to me because he's still walking. He says that he has stopped already, but he's moving. But what the Buddha meant by this was that I have stopped committing evil acts, but you haven't stopped yet. So Angulimala had quite a lot of conceit about his strength and about how skilled he was. Many people had tried to catch him, but uh, he wasn't afraid of any of them. Of any of them. And no matter how fast he ran, he wasn't able to catch up with the Buddha. And so there was faith in the Buddha that arose in his heart. And he was able to listen to his teachings. The Buddha taught him to abandon all evil doing. And in listening to this, uh, he felt kind of a, a sorrow or a disenchantment with the way that he'd been living his life.
Angulimala then ordained uh, as a monk, and King Pasenadi went to stop in uh, on uh, to pay respects to the Buddha. The Buddha then pointed to the monk sitting next to him, Angulimala, and explained who he was. And the king was very disturbed. Uh, he was so afraid that he was shaking. He was thinking that if Angulimala decided to kill him at this moment, there was no way that he'd be able to escape. But he was also confused at how the Buddha was able to catch him without using any weapons at all. But what he did use was uh, the power of the Dhamma. Even though he had ordained and attained to awakening, he, was, he still had to receive the karma of his evil deeds. And when he would go on arms round in the village, then a lot of people would abuse him and would throw things at him. When he came back from arms round, uh, his head was bleeding, his robes were torn. And he experienced a lot of pain uh, from the harm that people were inflicting upon him. So the Buddha then taught him a verse uh, for him to recite, um, known as the Angulimala Purita. And so the, the translation of that is, uh, Sister, since being born in the noble birth, I am not aware that I have intentionally deprived a being of life. By this truth, may you be well, and so may the child in your womb. So he said this uh, parita, this verse, uh, to a woman who was having great trouble giving birth. But after hearing those words, uh, she gave birth very easily, just like passing water. And so Angulimala was able to bring both this woman and her child to safety. After this, then many people gained faith in him. And uh, this was through the kindness that the Buddha had towards his disciples, towards his own, towards his children, uh, the monks who had ordained in his dispensation. There were also many other ways uh, that the Buddha tamed other beings, um, such as the elephant, uh, Nalandagiri, uh, who was very fierce. And many people were scared of this elephant, but the Buddha was able to tame him through his compassion and his kindness. And there was another instance of a great and fearsome Naga, uh, Nandopananda. And the Buddha sent his left-hand disciple, Venerable Mahamogalana, to go and uh, to tame this Naga. Even though the Naga was very skilled in using psychic powers, he still wasn't able to defeat uh, this disciple of the Buddha. So these are some of the verses that we chant in the Bahum chant. For us now, we have the opportunity to receive and come to know the teachings of the Buddha, his Dhamma. We have the chance to practice these and to cultivate our hearts. We can chant in praise of the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha. And we and through doing this there's a 
feeling of contentment and joy that comes up in the heart. And this is a very skillful and uh, meritorious activity. And we also practice together, we practice meditation. So we see that the Buddha had great goodness. It's like he's both a mother and a father in the Dhamma. And he had this compassion to try and take us all out of samsara, the cycle of birth and death, something that we're stuck in because of the greed, hatred, and delusion present in our minds. And if we take a lower birth, uh, say as an animal, for instance, um, then there will be a lot of chaos and confusion in our lives. And we can see how animals can cause uh, quite a lot of disturbance. And so like there's a monkey that's come into the monastery recently and is causing a lot of uh, disturbance in the monastery. And there was one monk who was just eating the food that he had received on arms round. And he had his food set out um, next to his bowl. And he'd left uh, briefly, and the monkey came into the sala through a window and took some of his food. And so we shouldn't uh, give any food to this monkey because it can cause a lot of trouble. And at the moment, it's just the one. Uh, but if we start feeding it, then soon 10 monkeys will come and then 100. And it'll be very difficult for anyone to stay here anymore. At one of the Nombapong branch monasteries, Wat Kuen, uh, the abbot used to give a banana to a monkey there every day. But there was one day when the abbot forgot about this and didn't give a banana. The monkey then went into the forest and a monk uh, decided to follow him to see where he would go. So the monkey went back to his group and they had a meeting together and uh, I guess that this monkey uh, told, the, told the others that he hadn't got a banana that day. So they all decided to go to the abbot's kuti and to jump on his roof. And they started tearing his roof off. So these monkeys, they're not stupid animals. They have a lot of intelligence. But we need to be more intelligent than they are. So we're trying to catch this monkey at the moment to release it somewhere else uh, for the happiness of the people who come to the monastery. We can't kill it uh, because we're trying to abandon unskillful deeds, so we'll catch it instead. But this is just us trying to look after the peace of the monastery. So. Creating a peaceful place isn't so difficult, but maintaining that peace is something that's hard to do. And this is like our minds as well, that doing goodness isn't so hard, but caring for that goodness, that merit, and maintaining it is difficult. Trying to stop the mind from getting caught in liking or disliking, and keeping it in a centered and joyful uh, space is something that's quite tough and something that will take time for us to do. Require us to see that the mind is just the mind. And all of the changes that happen arise from causes and conditions. 
Through understanding this, we then see that there's no self, there's no me or mine uh, to this mind. So when we meditate, um, we cultivate our minds and we raise up the amounts of goodness and the merit in our hearts. Nowadays, the value of gold uh, is very high and people are trying all over the place to find gold and get their hands on it. But our hearts have far more value. If we polish our hearts like we would a gem, then they turn bright and radiant, and there's this great happiness that imbues them. So the heart that possesses Dhamma is of immense value. And even though for us we've tried and succeeded to a degree to find external wealth, we also need to find internal wealth. This Arya uh, Sap, the wealth, this noble wealth, and that is our own hearts. And so the value that our hearts have is immense. And if we can allow our minds to reach a state of purity, uh, then the wealth that they contain is great. So therefore, all of us should try to find our own hearts. And this is something of immense importance. <laughs>